One of the things I always tell couples in premarital, premarital counseling is that there's three words that you need to eliminate from your vocabulary. The first word is divorce. I think that one's a pretty obvious reason why I would say to just take that completely out of your vocabulary. The other one is a little bit different. You may not think of this, but it's the words always and never. You, you just, you should never use the word always and never in your marriage. Why? Because there's just things that you know, it just doesn't happen that way. Like, you know, as soon as you say to your spouse, you always, you know, forget to take out the trash or you never compliment me after my hard work. What is your spouse going to do? Your spouse is going to remember that one time out of a thousand that they did take out the trash. Or they're going to say, remember back in 2013, I complimented you. And so that's why it's, it's just so important. Just take those words always and never out of your vocabulary. In fact, just do that really with any human interaction. But here's the question then. Is there things that we can always trust God for that God is always going to do? And the answer to that question is yes, absolutely. And so today we're beginning a brand new series called The Always God. It's based off of a book by the exact same name. And what we're going to see over these five weeks is there are some things you can count on God to do 100% of the time, that he's always going to come through and do this for you. And I think it's going to encourage you that the same God that we worship today, he's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. So there's things he's always, always, always going to do. We're going to begin today with that he's always speaking to us. Did you know that 10 times in just Genesis chapter 1 alone, we read the phrase, and God said? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And every time we read this phrase, when God speaks, things happen. Things come into existence. Things get fulfilled. Promises are made and fulfilled there. All throughout the Old Testament, God, he is speaking to his people. And then he actually speaks through his people, the prophets and the priests and the kings. Then we get over to the New Testament and look at what we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. And so there's absolutely no doubt that God spoke to people in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The question you have is, is he speaking to us here today? Does he still speak into my life? And really, you want to know this in those difficult situations that you go through. Is God going to speak to me? Is he going to help me? Is he going to give me wisdom to navigate those situations where I would really, really need him to do that? And the answer is, Absolutely. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. So we're going to start out in, in Exodus chapter 3. If you want to turn there, Exodus chapter 3. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online right now. There's a link right there in the upper right-hand corner. And if you uh, click that, that's going to take you to our talk notes. And that'll give you all the scriptures I'm going to look at here today, as well as all the points I'm going to be making. For those of you that are here live in the room with us, welcome. If you scan that uh, orange card that's there in your seat, that's going to take you to the talk notes as well. You can follow along with everything. It'll also be on the, the screen. As you continue to turn, though, to Exodus chapter 3, let me give you just a little bit of context. Remember, Moses, he grew up as the prince of Egypt, but then he murders a man. Now he's out in the desert. He's become a shepherd. He's met a young lady. They've gotten married. And so he's, he's out there. He's tending the, the flocks of his father-in-law. And Moses, as he's sort of driving the flocks, he comes to the mountain of God. And off in the distance, he sees a bush 
that's burning, but yet it's not being consumed. And he's like, that is the strangest thing I've ever seen. I think I'm going to get closer and check it out. And so as he gets closer to see this bush, something even more amazing happens. Look at verse uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. It says that God did what? God, God spoke to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So here is God speaking directly to a man. So God does speak to us. You're going, Gilbert, I'm no Moses. I mean, maybe God speaks to people like Moses, but God doesn't speak to me like that. Well, you know what? You're, you're, you're probably right. God isn't going to speak to you from a burning bush. He can if he wants to. And God's probably not going to speak to you in an audible voice, although, again, he can. But here's the deal. God is speaking to you, and he's speaking to you every single day. The question is, are you listening or not? You're going, Gilbert, I, I don't think God does that. He's not actually speaking to me. Maybe, maybe he does it for pastors like you, but he doesn't speak to me like that. But listen to me. God is always speaking. That's the theme of our series. He is the always God. And one of the things he does is he is always speaking. Each and every day, he is speaking to you. You're going, Gilbert, I just don't hear that. All right, well, let's talk about that for a second. One of my favorite books of all time is called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby says this, if you have trouble hearing God speak, you're in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. Let me read that to you again. Let that sink in. If you have trouble hearing God speak, you are in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. And the reason for that is something that Jesus said. Look at John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep do what? My sheep, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Being a part of a follower of Jesus, in order to follow him, you need to hear from him where is it that you're supposed to be going. And so we need to be hearing from God. If you're not hearing him, then you've got to like question your relationship with him. You're going, Gilbert, you're scaring me here a little bit. Are you saying that I'm not in a relationship with Jesus? Well, maybe. And maybe that's for some of you where you need to start. You need to actually start a relationship with Jesus so that you start to hear his voice. But I have a feeling for most of you, you've already started that relationship with Jesus. But here's the issue. He's been speaking to you. You just don't recognize that it's him speaking to you. And so that's what we're going to look at here today. We're going to look at seven different ways that God speaks to us today. And each one of these is going to begin with the letter C to make it easier for you to uh, hopefully remember. So if you're taking notes, here's the first one. God speaks to me through creation. God speaks to me through creation. So, you know, many people, they go, I wish God would just make it obvious that, that like, he exists. Like, skywriting or something that, hey, I'm God and I truly exist. I just wish he'd write it in the sky. Well, here's the deal. He does. He has. He does it every single day. In fact, we read about that in, in the Psalms, in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1 to 2. Here's what we read. The heavens do what? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies do what? They 
proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they continue to? To speak, right? The, 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 the literal creation is speaking to us. Night after night, they make him known. You know, here, here's one of the things you need to realize. No one ever has stood on a beach at the ocean and the sun is setting and you're looking out over the, the vastness of the ocean. Nobody has ever stood there and thought to themselves, I'm really great. Nobody on a, a summer night has, has looked up at a, a clear sky, thousands of stars there in the sky and thought, I'm really, really good. Nobody has ever stood there at the Grand Canyon looking down into the depths of it and thought about how wonderful they are. You know what you do in those moments? You think about God. And you think about how big he is and how great he is. Bill, Megan, Lisa, and I, we just got back from Costa Rica, and, and one of the things we did the other Sunday, two weeks ago on Sunday after church, we had a nice meal, and then we took a sort of a scenic drive to the top of a mountain, and at the top of that mountain, it's called the Erosi Overlook, and you actually oversee the city where we were staying and ministering to for the week. And it's absolutely beautiful because not only are you way up high and you're seeing down into the valley, but then as you then look up, you just, I mean, as far as you can see all the way around, you just see these high mountain peaks. It is absolutely beautiful. And some of you saw some of the pictures, and Bill would tell you, Megan and Lisa, that those pictures just don't justify that sight that you see there. And one of the things I said to him is, man, don't we feel so small right now? Because we're just seeing a small sliver of the earth, and you realize how small we are. And then you start to think, there's an entire planet, and God created all of this. And how wonderful and how magnificent he is. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. The Apostle Paul, he talks about this. He says, from heaven, God shows how angry he is with all the wicked and evil things that sinful people do to crush the truth. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Now, how's God made this truth obvious? Well, Paul goes on, he says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have what? They have, no, they have no excuse for not knowing God. And so whether it's you looking down and seeing the strength of a little ant or the, the changing of the seasons or even the, the miracle of the next breath that you take, all of creation and everything that you see, everything that you experience, it all comes from God. And Paul writes here, he says, when we start to look at the creation, there's absolutely no excuse that anybody can have for not knowing that there's a God because he's made it obvious to them. Number two, here's the second way that God speaks to us. God speaks to me through my conscience. And so in Romans chapter one, Paul says, look, we can know that God is speaking to us through creation and then in Romans chapter 2, he switches gears and he says, we can know that God is speaking through our very own conscience. Look at Romans 2, 14 to 15. Paul writes, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. 
They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts, either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. Now, let me put this in a more modern context for you. Uh, imagine for a second that somebody walked in here to Exponential today, and they had never even seen a Bible before or picked up a Bible. Let, let's even go further and say somebody walked in today, and they don't even know there's such thing as a Bible. Now, that's hard for us as Americans to, to think of, right, that nobody's ever even seen a Bible. But, but imagine in fact, many years ago, when we were still at the movie theater, we had somebody walk in, and he said, we gave him a Bible. He said, this is the first time I've ever touched a Bible in my life. So there are people like that, even in America. But imagine a person that they don't even know a Bible exists. Here's what I can tell you about that person. They still know, even though they don't have the written law of God, they still know that murder is wrong, that stealing is wrong, that adultery is wrong, that lying is wrong. How do they know those things? Well, because it's written on their heart. God has written a law, a moral code on all of our hearts. And see, if people start to think about it enough, even if they don't know there's such thing as a Bible, if they start thinking about it enough, they go, hmm, if there's a moral law, if there's something that instinctively I know is right and wrong, then that means that there's a lawgiver, that somebody had to give this law. Somebody had to put that in me. That's not just something I thought to myself of, oh, I shouldn't murder, I shouldn't steal, or any of those things. We all just instinctively know, and that's what Paul is writing about there in, in Romans chapter 2, that there's this moral law written on our heart. And so whether we know to call him God or Jesus really isn't important as we know that there is this God, and again, Romans 1, the light of creation, there's somebody out there that's created all this, so this isn't a mistake. And, and that same person is putting this, this law in my heart. And I, I need to ask that moral lawgiver to forgive me because I mess up. I, I need some grace sometimes. I need some help to be a better person. By the way, Romans chapter 1 and 2, that answers the question a lot of people have as far as, well, what about the person in, like, Africa or in, in the deep jungles of, you know, the Amazon or something? They, they've never heard about Jesus. Are they just condemned to hell just because they've never heard the name of Jesus before? And the answer is no. Why? Well, I just explained it to you. They have the light of creation. They have the light of conscience. Again, they may not know to call him God. They may not know to call him Jesus. But they know that there's somebody out there that has created me, and I'm not a perfect person, and I need forgiveness. And I need help in being a better person. However, as Americans, none of us have the, that excuse of not knowing the name of Jesus because we've heard the name of Jesus. And if you've never heard the name of Jesus, you just did. And I'm here to tell you that God who created us, that God who has the power to forgive, the, the, laurel, uh, the, the, the moral law giver, his name is Jesus. And that's our, our next point then, point number three. God speaks to me through Christ. So Romans chapter one is the, the light of creation. Romans chapter two is the light of conscience. And then Romans chapter three, Paul talks about the light of Christ. Look at Romans 3, 21 to 24. Now God's way of putting people right with himself has been revealed. It has nothing to do with the law, even though the law of Moses and the prophets gave their witness to it. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God treats us much better than we deserve. And because of Christ Jesus, he freely accepts us and sets us free from our sins. And so Jesus is God in the flesh, and Jesus came to not only forgive you of your sins, Jesus came to then transform you, to make you into the person you really want to be. Because all of us know that we're not perfect. All of us want to be better, and Jesus is the one that can do that for you. Here's what Jesus had to say in John chapter 14, verses 23 to 24. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, they will do what? If anyone loves me, they will obey me. Then my Father will love them, and we will come to them and live in them. But anyone who doesn't love me won't obey me. What they have heard me say doesn't really come from me, but from the Father who sent me. Jesus is saying, look, when you hear from him, what you're really doing is you're hearing from God the Father, which leads to the fourth point, and that is that God speaks to me through the canon of Scripture. Now, it would have been much easier just to say God speaks to you through the Bible, but again, each one of these is beginning with the letter C, so it's the canon of Scripture that we have here today. Now, that's actually a, a, a term because canon literally means a collection of sacred books. And what is the Bible? It's not a book. It is a collection of 66 books, sacred books. God wrote it, and it's all been combined into one. So God speaks to me through the canon of Scripture. It's literally God's word to us. Paul writes about this in 2 Timothy verse three, or chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, when he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so if you want God to speak to you, there is no better place to start than right here in the good old B-I-B-L-E. We need to be in this book every single day. Why? Because you want God speaking to you every single day. And this is the way that he's going to speak to you the most is through the words of this book. And Paul's saying, look, these aren't just words on a page. These are words that have the power to change your life, to transform your life. These have the power to actually help you to become that person you've always wanted to be. As we looked in at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the author of Hebrews says, God's word is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. His word can cut through our spirits and souls and through our joints and marrow until it discovers the desires and the thoughts of our hearts. And God speaks to us when we read this book. Again, that's why it's important that you're reading it every single day. If you're skipping reading your Bible every single day, that means that you're missing out on days that God wanted to speak something to you. So you can't be skipping it every single day. Make sure that you're in here. Now, speaking of skipping things, the next one's just as important. Number five, God speaks to me through his church. So God speaks to me through his church. Right now, God is using me to speak to you. There's sometimes that words come out of my mouth as I'm, you know, I, I prepare and everything, but there's sometimes that like the Spirit just gives me things and I'm like, that's good. And I realize that wasn't for me. That's God speaking through me to you. Through the music today, God was speaking to you. And that's awesome. That is fantastic. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 15, and then we'll skip down to 17. Paul writes, how then 
will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Here's the deal. I absolutely love it when you guys, whether it's in the cafe, afterwards, or sometimes through emails or texts, you say, man, Gilbert, you spoke something today, and that so impacted my life. It changed my life. And even more so than hearing it like in the day after, I like hearing it in the weeks and the months after because it means you're actually living it out, and it actually has changed and transformed your life. And that is so cool to hear that. But you know what I think is even cooler? I think it's cool when you tell me the stories about how you're speaking into each other's lives, about how someone out in the cafe spoke a word that you're like, man, that didn't come from them. That was God speaking to me. Or maybe it's in your life group, or, or maybe you're doing one-on-one discipleship through small circle, and, and, and you're having words of God from somebody else just being spoken into your life so powerfully. That is absolutely amazing. Remember, the church isn't a building. The church isn't sermons. The church isn't music. The church is people. The church is people. And so God uses his people to speak to one another. And and I want to say this, and and, and you guys here, excuse me for a second. Excuse me. Just uh, talk amongst yourselves for a second. I want to talk to you at home. I want to talk to the online audience for a second. Here's the deal. When you aren't here in the building, you're missing out on something that God wanted to speak to you because you can hear through me online, but you're not out in that cafe. And many of you that, you know, come online, you're not in our life groups and stuff. So God has something he wants to speak to you that you're not hearing because you're not here. That's why it's so important that you be here. But here's something even more important. If you're not here, that means that there are people here in the room, that they're not having God speak to them because you were the person that was supposed to be speaking to them. So that's why it's so important that you be here. Don't don't put your comfort and convenience of staying at home in your pajamas over the command of Jesus and the, the word of God in the book of Hebrews that says that we're to gather together every single week. All right, now that you clicked off and you're not watching me, I'll come back to you guys. All right. That just had to be said. It's important that we're in the house of God together. The ecclesia, the the literal word for church means the gathering together of people. That's what a church is, gathering together. Now back to you online, and I'll talk to you about here this time. Those of you online, if for whatever reason you can't be here, we understand that. But open up your home. That's why I love our Hagerstown campus. It's a gathering of people in a town that they're like, okay, we can't be in Exponential in Harrisburg, so we're going to gather together in Hagerstown, Maryland, and we're going to open up a home, and and we're going to gather together, and we're going to talk about God's word together because what they're doing down there is they're literally able then to speak the word of God to one another. I'm not the only person that should be speaking the word of God to you. You need other people in your life. And so those of you that are watching online, if you can't be here for whatever reason, open up your home. You can have a little miniature ecclesia right there in your home. But please, 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 don't be just watching it, you and your spouse and your kids. All right, ran over. Moving on. Number six, God speaks to me through the counsel 
of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit convinces us that we need to do good. The Holy Spirit gives us the next steps that we need to take in our walk with Jesus. John 16, verses 13 to 14, we read this. The Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own. He will tell you only what he has heard from me, and he will let you know what's going to happen. The Spirit will bring glory to me by taking my message and telling it to you. I mean, it can't be any clearer there that God is still speaking today. One last thing, number seven, God speaks to me through circumstances that are beyond just mere coincidences. Now, I don't actually have a verse for this one, but I've experienced it, and many of you have experienced it as well, that there are sometimes that, like, the first time that it happens, you go, oh, okay, that was a coincidence. But then it happens again and again and again, and it's coming in different ways, and you go, okay, God, what, what's going on here? You know, something, something must be up. And I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again, uh, just one of the times that it happened for me, and there's been many times, but just even moving here to Harrisburg to start Exponential. Uh, keep in mind, I had when I left Purpose Driven, you know, Saddleback, we had 25,000 people that would show up every single weekend to our church, all right? So big church. I thought I was going to go on staff in another big mega church somewhere, and then I ended up just an hour south of here in a little small church in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. It was a church of 250, 300 people or so. Come in, we start a contemporary worship experience, all of a sudden we just take off, we're growing. Like, we got up to 1,200, and now you're like 1,500, 1,700 people on an average weekend. We built a new $7 million facility on the outskirts of town. Lisa and I had not wanted to be at that church, but God had made it very, very clear we were supposed to be there. And now all of a sudden, it's grown, and it's taken off, and we're doing all this ministry, and cool things are happening. Lisa was leading a, a, a young adults ministry that was really, really great. So now all of a sudden, we liked it there, and we wanted to be there. We thought we'd be there for the rest of our lives. And then in late 2009, I get an email. It was a mass email that goes out to like hundreds of pastors in our denomination, and it was coming from a guy by the name of Chuck Frank. And Chuck had just been hired as the new director of church planning for our denomination. There really wasn't a lot of new churches that were being started. Like in the, the previous 20 years, only like four churches had been started in our denomination. So that, that's not good. And so he is putting out this like weekly email, the state of church planning in the Eastern Regional Conference, Churches of God. Well, there was no like church planning, but he, he's been hired to do it. Now, the only reason I read his email every single week is because I had known Chuck previously during my time with Purpose Driven. I had gotten to know him. He was in a completely different denomination at the time. And so then he had gotten hired by us, and it's like, oh, I better read it just in case I ever run into Chuck. You know, if he says, hey, you read my email, I'd be like, yeah, I read your email every week. I, I was only seeing Chuck maybe once or twice a year, right? So it wasn't that we still had this, like, really ongoing relationship. So anyway, it's 2009. It's a, a Thursday. I'm in my home office. I'm doing my work. Email comes in from Chuck Frank, and I'm reading through, as I normally do every Thursday when it would come out, and there was a little blurb in it that said, have a potential location in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, just looking for the right church planner. And I tell you what, the words like leap off the screen at me. It would take me literally a half hour to describe everything that God downloaded into me in like three seconds. I'm like, I ate some bad pepperoni pizza because that wasn't God. Because I've never wanted to be a church planner. I never wanted to be the lead pastor of a church. That could not have possibly been God. That was, but it was just like so overwhelming, this like 
mind dump that God gave to me. I was like, all right, I better at least type it up and have it because, and I'm just being honest here, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pray about that. <clears throat> I was going to <clears throat> pray about that. I, I never intended to actually pray about it. Again, I'm just confessing. Bad, bad, bad Gilbert, right? Because I didn't think it was God. That's Thursday. Friday morning, which is my day off, out of the complete blue, my phone rings, and I see on the caller ID, it's a message from Chuck Frank. He's calling me. Now, I usually don't answer on my day off. But I was like, this is, this is strange. Is this just a coincidence? Or is this God? And so I answer, hey, Chuck, what's up? He doesn't even get into, hey, how you doing, all that kind of stuff. The very first words out of his mouth are these words. Hey, Gilbert, have you been thinking about planning a church? Now we're beyond coincidence. Now I know that God is speaking. And so I share with him the vision that God had given me just the day before. He's all excited because now he has a fish on the line, right? Because he, he needs to get a, a new church there. But he's like all excited. I was like, whoa, 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 slow down. I was like, I didn't share any of this with Lisa. She will kill me. I mean, literally, she will kill me if I say, hey, I think God is asking us to move away. Because, again, we didn't want to be in Chambersburg, but now all of a sudden it's grown and we're doing all this kind of stuff, and now we actually like it there. She will kill me. He says, well, talk to her. So she was in her home office that particular morning, and I go over, and sort of fear and trembling, I, I knock. I was like, uh, can we talk? And she's like, yeah, what's going on? I share everything that had happened, the vision, and the Chuck had just called and everything. And she says, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. We need to do that. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you were supposed to say no. So again, it's not just coincidence at that moment. This is God is speaking. So I thought, okay. I still don't get it. You know, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking it's God at this point, but I'm like, surely when they send us off to be assessed to see if we're qualified to be church planners or not, we will fail that. So they shipped us out to San Diego. There's 30 couples there being assessed whether they should plan a church or not. And they told us at the beginning of the week, you're going to get either a red light, which means God loves you, Jesus loves you. Maybe you're even called to be a pastor, but you have absolutely no business ever being a church planner. That's a red light. A yellow light is, hey, we think you're actually called to be a church planner, but you still got some growing to do and some things you need to work out before you do it. So you're probably two, three, five years away from planning a church. And then green light was, yeah, go do it. So there's 30 couples there that are being assessed in this week. End of the week, 20 some of them, they get red lights. Don't plan a church. Couple of them, they get yellow lights. Three get green lights. Yeah, you should do this. Yeah, we were one of those. And it was at that moment that we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yes, this is what God is calling us to do. In fact, it was there in San Diego that we officially named Exponential Church, Exponential Church. Um, so, again, there, there's things that happen in your life that you go, okay, this this isn't just a coincidence. This is actually God is speaking here to me. So God is in the speaking business. And some of you are going, all right, that's cool. 
I, I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I've heard him, but what happens if I'm still not hearing him? Because, Gilbert, you convinced me that I should be listening, and I, but what if I'm still not hearing him? Well, real quick, I want to cover four things that may keep you from hearing God. Each one of these is going to begin with the letter S. So real quickly, number one, sin prevents me from hearing God. Some of you are not hearing from God because of sin in your life. You believe in spiritual things, but you're not living a spiritual life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds like foolishness to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So that's the first place to start. Is there any sin in my life? Number two, stubbornness prevents me from hearing God. And this one's actually worse than the first one, because stubbornness is you know that there's sin in your life, but you're just being stubborn and not repenting of your sin. And this is why I tell you all the time, repentance is something, and if you're not sure what repentance is, repentance means that you were going this way, you're going your way, you're going Satan's way, you're going the world's way, and now you're turning and going God's way. So it's just doing this sort of 180. That's repentance. Repentance is something that needs to be immediate. Don't say, well, eventually I'll stop doing that sin. No, it needs to be immediate. Do it right now. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7, 8, and then verse 13, we read, as the Holy Spirit says, if you hear God speak today, don't be stubborn. Don't harden your heart like the people of Israel did during the time of Moses as they were being tested in the desert. You must encourage one another each day, and you must keep on while there is still a time to be called today. If you don't, then sin will harden your heart and make you stubborn. The more stubborn you are and you're not being obedient, you're not repenting, the more calloused your heart is going to get. And the more calloused your heart gets, the harder it is then for you to actually hear from God. So listen, if God is telling you to stop something or God is telling you to forgive someone or God's telling you to serve someone or give something away, do it and do it right now. Don't wait. Don't be stubborn. Obey immediately. Number three, self-absorption prevents me from hearing God. You know, too often we're so busy listening to ourselves because we think that we've got the whole world figured out. We're so busy listening to ourselves that it drowns out the voice of God. And our dreams become louder than his dreams for us. But we read in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings that when God comes and speaks, he speaks in a still, small voice. He's not going to shout at you. He speaks in a still, small voice. So that's why it's so important that you get alone you quiet your mind, you quiet your heart, you shut up and say, God, I'm listening, speak. You be quiet, let him speak. Number four, sometimes God will be silent because it means he's in the process of producing something in or for me. I've shared this before with you. We now live in an instant society, don't we? We have Instagram and instant noodles, Instacart, if you want something, Amazon can have it on your doorstep tomorrow. I mean, it's just amazing. If you need some information, there's an app for that. And you can download it and have that information right now. But the problem is, when it comes to us wanting to hear from God, we want God to speak and speak right now. So here's what I want to say to you. If for whatever reason you're, you're doing everything we talked about today and you're like, man, I, I'm really trying to hear from God and you've evaluated your life and there isn't sin in your life and you're not being stubborn and you know, you're not being self-absorbed, then one of the things you got to realize is that maybe God is being intentional 
about this, that he's putting you through a time of, of testing to see, are you going to trust patiently for him to speak? And so my advice to you would be this, just keep doing the last instruction that he gave you. I think that's something you guys have in the military, right, JT? When, when you don't know, you know what, what to do, just go with the last command that your officer gave you to do. And it's the same way with God. If you're not hearing a new command, a new thing for you to do, just keep obeying the last one until he finally does speak, and he will. And I would also encourage you, in the meantime, part of those commands is keep reading your Bible every day, keep praying every day, keep coming to church each week, keep doing the things he has commanded you to do, and ultimately he will speak. Why? Because he is the always God. And one of the things we know that God is always doing is he is always speaking to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to hear you speak to us. And you use a frail, sinful person like me to deliver your word to your people. And so, Lord, I pray that my shortcomings and, and my uh, sin would be cast aside, that people wouldn't see that, that they would see and hear you through me, and that your spirit has been taking my words and translating it to each and everybody's uh, hearts. And Lord, we know that in the same way, you're going to use the words of, of the people that are gathered here together as we talk afterwards, and in our small groups, and our life groups, and as we gather together in, in small circle and in various things, that you use those words to speak to us as well. So God, we want to hear from you. So help us through these seven ways that we looked at to hear from you and know that, oh, okay, it's not always just this audible voice. It's not just going to be this miraculous thing like a burning bush like Moses had. No, you, you have many ways that you speak to us. So help us be looking for you and, and listening for you each and every day and each and every moment of our lives. And Lord, help us to get that, that sin and the stubbornness and the self-absorption out of our lives so that we can... Uh, not have a, a blocked signal, so to speak. And Lord, help us to be patient and trust you in those times when you are silent. Jesus, thank you again that when we hear from you, we're hearing from the Father. So speak and speak to us loudly and clearly so that we can obey you each and every day of our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.